Good morning. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I know uh, if you're anything like me, some of you like to watch college football this time of year, but let's be honest, the Indiana teams, Purdue and Notre Dame, it was a little tough, wasn't it? But Colts play tonight, you know, playoffs on the line. I see the Colts gear today, some of the jerseys and shirts. But I also joined in the misery of Purdue and Notre Dame fans. I'm a Michigan fan, and we got beat pretty bad yesterday by Florida. So that was a little tough. But uh, we want to say welcome. Would you put your hands together and join us in welcoming those who are attending online, wherever you're attending from. We're glad that you're here. We want to say that we believe... Uh, No one is too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, and we believe that the church should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints here at Mercy Road. So we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Like many of you, one of the traditions of watching college football is in our household, but there's a lot of other family traditions this time of year, and for us, it was time to start some new traditions. We actually stayed home on Christmas Day and didn't travel. Sorry, family, but it was amazing. And to, you know, we have a two and a half year old, so to watch her open presents and enjoy all that was just kind of a new, fun tradition for us. Another new tradition was, you know, serving and then attending one of the Christmas Eve services here at Mercy Road. I joined the staff here a few months ago, so just being a part of that was just awesome to see what God did in and through all of that. It was really, really amazing. Um, we had a birthday party for Jesus, you know, and we got out the cake mix, and it turns out the cake batter was, like, expired. <laughs> So I, on Christmas Eve, ran to um, the get-go gas station and bought these tiny little cupcakes that were terrible, but we, sorry Jesus, but we had a birthday party for Jesus nonetheless and had fun with that. You know, but one of the, transi- uh, one of the traditions that's deep in my wife's family is one of the things they would always do, she's from a suburb of Chicago, and we still do it to this day, is we go to like one of those neighborhoods where everyone participates in like the light displays, you know what I'm talking about? This neighborhood, they've been doing it for like 65 years or something like that, it's just amazing. And they have these big, huge wooden signs that look like scrolls, and they have, you know, the, the Christmas story from scripture written on them, so we go from each one of those and read the Christmas story. But then on the other side of the neighborhood, they have these wooden, you know, characters as well. And it's of Charlie Brown and Snoopy and all these different houses. I mean, everyone participates. It's amazing to see this thing. And so we always go and we're rebellious. So we go and, you know, us rebels as Christians, we go and step on someone else's lawn and take a picture and then sneak away really quick or take a picture by the the manger and baby Jesus. And we just enjoy that. But the tradition starts truly once that is done, the real tradition. You know, my wife's family, they didn't go eat fast food that often. They didn't have soda in the house or pop, as we call it in Michigan. Uh, They didn't really, you know, go out to eat or have sugary snacks and stuff in the house. But uh, right before Christmas, every year after they'd see the light display, they'd go to a nice dinner at Taco Bell. That was the treat for the kids every year was a dine-in experience at Taco Bell. And so that is a tradition that we keep alive after, you know, now our daughter and my niece, they all come with us. And this year we went in like matching reindeer costumes. I didn't, I didn't want to publicly shame myself. You can stalk my Facebook if you want to find it. Reindeer costumes for everybody as we dined in a whole bunch of us at Taco Bell. It was quite great. But, you know, one of the traditions 
uh, this time of year between Christmas and New Year's is to kind of look back at the year that was, you know, and we start looking forward to what's ahead in the year before us in 2019. You know, in 2019, the Google machine told me that fitness and exercise is the number one resolution and goal for people this year, some fitness and exercise goal. Number two is people want to save money coming into this next year. And the third one is people want to travel more. I don't know if those are any of your goals or resolutions, but the truth is is that no one aspires to have the same stress level as they had in the year before. No one is wanting to sign up for the same struggles or the same hang-ups or the same setbacks and bad habits. So today, I think you're here for a reason. You want something to be different in 2019. You want to grow. You want to move forward in some capacity. So we're in a two-week series. This is week one called A New Year, A New You. And when we put Christ at the center of all of our spiritual, physical, relational, emotional, and career goals, something better happens in us and through us. Psalm 90.12, this will be one of our anchor verses for this morning, says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom as we head into this new year. I plan to share a three-part biblical kind of operating system that we can live by today and throughout the rest of 2019. But before we get into that, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone who's here in this room with us. Thank you for everyone that's joining us online. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue our time of worship, as we open your word, that you would just speak to our hearts, God, that you would speak into our current situation. Lord, I pray that in these moments, the things that we need to lay at your feet, we would. I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage and the strength to follow you well as we head into this new year. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So feel free to, if you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to power on that app and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Or if you don't have any sort of Bible with you, there might be one in the book rack in the row in front of you. We want you to grab that. Turn to the, towards the back of the Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. 15 through 17. You know, the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. He authored half of the New Testament. And this is one of his works, and he's very clear and very direct in this passage. And he says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Make the most of each day. End of sermon, see you next week. Just kidding. We're going to come back to that verse, but I had a friend in college who was always kind of wasting time. You know who I'm talking about? The person who's always procrastinating on assignments. They're staying up till 3.30 in the morning. You're like, what are you even doing? And they're like, I don't even know. I'm just roaming the halls. He was that kind of guy. He ended up dropping out of college his junior year. But he would still come back to visit us. His name was Joel. I love Joel. He was fun guy, life of the party kind of guy, just awesome Christian guy. But he just couldn't get his priorities together, you know. And so he dropped out of school, but he'd come back and visit us like every weekend. And we loved that. We loved seeing Joel. But Joel was kind of like 
uh, Cousin Eddie. Do you know what I mean? He's uh, from Christmas Vacation. He was kind of an EGR, extra grace required kind of person. So if you didn't know Joel, you were like, oh my goodness, did he just say that or do that? But if you knew him, you're like, it's just Joel, you know, just being Joel. And so one time, Joel came to visit us over the weekend. Pretty normal. But when you're in like a 180 foot, you know, square foot room, a dorm room, and there's an extra person, it's not very convenient, right? It's pretty noticeable when there's an extra person living in that space. And so Joel decided to stay for 10 days in the middle of the semester. And we're all trying to study. We got our rhythms and habits and practices and all these things that we've got to go to. And it's like, dude, you're eating all my ramen noodles. You're drinking all my mini, you know, Gatorades out of the fridge. I need to give you some quarters because you need to do laundry and you stink. And in a guy's dorm always stinks. It's always kind of musty smelling. But when you add an extra dude into the mix, it's just no good. And so finally it was like, all right, Joel, hey, I, I love you. You're my buddy. You are welcome here, you know, but you just can't live here. You can't just stay in the dorm. There's no room for you. We're going to have to say, Joel, that you can only come on the weekends. Weekends only, bro. And he's like, okay, I understand. No big deal, you know. Um, but I want to kind of bring this back. You know, Joel was somebody who was kind of, at that time, now he's got a meaningful life now, he's doing great. But at the time, he was kind of wasting his time a lot. But now, you know, when I, when I think about Joel and saying to him, weekends only, how many times have we done that to Jesus? How many times have we said, you know what, God, the, the six days out of the week are for me. I'll give you an hour or two on Sunday, or I'll give you part of my weekend, but I'm going to kind of push you to the side and do my thing. I'm going to set my own goals, go my own way. I know in my life there's seasons where I've done that, where I've put Jesus into a box of an hour or two or to a day. But as I look at John chapter 15, from the mouth of Jesus himself, Jesus says this in John 15, 4, about our spiritual growth and our proximity to Jesus. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me, remaining attached to the vine, the source of life, the source of spiritual growth that we find in Christ. And when we give him access and permission into the spaces, the everyday spaces and places of our lives, he starts to grow us and change us and transform us. Too many times, you know, we come to a weekend worship service and we bank on that getting us through the week. Now, don't get me wrong. I love our worship services here. The band does an awesome job. Usually whoever's preaching does an awesome job, unless you get stuck the week I'm here. And, but but it's, it's a great time to give us a boost into the week. But it was never intended to be the one thing that we experienced, one time that we experienced Jesus. We can experience Jesus in everyday spaces and places. When we're sitting at our coffee table, when we're praying to him, when we're in our workplace. You know, in 2019 and forevermore, God is committed to growing you. God is committed to your spiritual growth. He wants it for you. God is rooting you on. He's not just an angry man in the sky. He is cheering you on. He is for you. He wants you to hit those goals. He wants you to hit those goals this year that are going to give him glory and praise. He wants to see you cross a new threshold in your spiritual growth this year. And as we go back to Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand 
what the Lord wants you to do. The book of Ephesians is kind of written in two parts. Chapters 1 through 3, Paul emphasizes theology and doctrine, all of you heady people. You know, there's some important meat in there. But if you're anything like me, you're like, give me the stuff that I can just put into practice today. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I walk like a Christian? How do I really follow Jesus with everyday life? And Paul seemingly puts his arm around the church in Ephesus like a coach would or a loving parent or a grandparent or a teacher. And he admonishes them. He gives them strong counsel and advisement. Maybe some of you, you experience this whenever you see that aunt and uncle around the holidays or a grandparent or college kids you come home and your parents are telling you the same thing they've told you for the last 15 years. You know what I'm talking about? The same piece of advice. Paul is putting his arm around them and saying, here's now what you do. Here's how you live. Here's how you walk as a Christian. And so whether you're new to faith in Christ or if you've been following Jesus for a very long time, pay attention to this. As we break down verse 17, Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. It literally translates to buy up the time. Redeem the time. You see, time is the one unreplenishable resource that's available on this earth. We can't get it back. We cannot get time back. We can get more money. We can get more popularity. We can get more stuff. But we can't get back time. And so Paul highlights the value of time. We are wise to seize the day to best accomplish God's will. And it pleases God when we live this way. And it benefits others as well. You see, this passage reminds us that our spiritual growth today, the small steps, the small habits, the little things are going to inform our character tomorrow and for the rest of 2019. How can you redeem the time that God is giving you right now today? How are we going to live this new year? Psalm 90:12. we'll go back to that. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90:12 and Ephesians 5 really start to give us some perspective of how each moment, each day matters for God's kingdom. You know, there's a couple words in the New Testament, Greek, for the word time. The first is chronos, which is where we get the word chronology. Maybe you've heard this before. Like a specific moment in time that today is December 30th at 12.01 p.m. It's a specific time. There's some chronology to it. And in a minute, it'll be 12.02 unless Jesus comes back in the next minute. Kairos is a different kind of time. It's more about the season. It's more about the opportune time. Or I'll say it a different way. Kairos time measures moments or seasons, not seconds. It refers to the right moment, the opportune moment. And so I want to instruct us on three biblical practices and principles to lean into today as we move into this new year. The first one is this, discern the season. Discern the season that you're in. If you're anything like me, sometimes you're flying a million miles a minute. You got a new mountain to climb. You got something new to accomplish. You're excited. It's for a good cause. It's for a good purpose, whatever it might be. Things are happening. You got to get kids here. You got to do this. And we forget to take a moment to step back and discern what's actually going on in our life. For some of us, we need to take a step back and look back at what happened in 2018. 
Some of you have experienced a loss in 2018. Some of you experienced great success in 2018. But we need to take some time to step back and look at what God did in and through that. To take a minute to step back and see the season that we're coming out of and also the season that God is leading us into. Not just the path that we're charting on our own with our own goals, but does it fall in line with God's plan? So taking time, taking a little bit of time away, grabbing a few minutes here and there. Some of you are great at doing this. You build this kind of rhythm into your life. Others of us, we really need to discipline ourselves to take a moment this week to discern what happened in 2018 and where is God leading me into 2019. Some of you, as you sit back and reflect, will realize things like you had a great season of success in your business. The bottom line looks great at home and in the workplace, but you've got relationships that are falling apart. Some of you are in a season of great spiritual growth, but man, there's something that you're longing for relationally, or there's something you're longing for in your career that hasn't yet happened. Others of you feel like it's a season of isolation, where no one quite understands what you're going through. That there might be people around you, but you don't feel like they understand you or what's going on in this season in your life. Others of you, you may be in a season where it's been unexpected blessing after unexpected blessing. For some of you, though, that are going through it, you're in the midst of it, I want to remind you that the season that you wish away is often the season that you get the most from. The season that you wish away is often the season that you get the most from. Maybe you just changed jobs. You're waiting for an answer from an interview. You're waiting to hear how the fundraiser went. You just got out of a relationship, or maybe you just got married, or you lost somebody that you love. You know, I had a season of my life in my early 20s that was just tough. You know, here I am going to school to become a pastor. God, I'm doing your will. And there's a lot worse things that could have happened in my life in this season. But, you know, for me, it stung. It hurt. There was a girl I dated for three years. I thought I was going to marry her. I ended up breaking up with her. In that same, you know, couple of weeks, I had a couple of best friends that I had known for like 15 years. Look me in the eye and lie to me and betray me and say things about me that were super hurtful wrecked our friendship. A week later, I learned that a guy who had been a spiritual mentor of mine, a spiritual giant in my life, had gotten into some significant legal issues and trouble. And during that season, it was like I was just in a fog. It's like I still loved God, you know? But man, it just felt like a season that wasn't going to end. It was just this heavy season. And some of you have experienced really tough things. You're, out, you're coming on the other side of a divorce. You're figuring out what life looks like now. For some of you, you've lost a loved one that you cared so deeply for. For some of you, you've had a, a grown kid graduate college and they moved away, and you're just adjusting to life in that reality now. For some of you, you've experienced a miscarriage, loss of a child. Others of you, you're just broken for some reason with something that's not happening in your life or your career or relationship that you wished would happen. You know, during that season of my life, I didn't see it at the time. I didn't acknowledge it too much at the time, but God used that season of my life to grow me, to strengthen my roots in him. 
and prepare me for other tough moments in my life, to prepare me to come alongside other people when they're going through a struggle and say, God got me through this season and God got me through this trial and I know that he's gonna be faithful to you. The season that we wish away is often the season that you get the most from. When your circumstances are changing and relationships are changing and everything feels like it's moving around you, know that God is still with you and that even in the season that you wish away, that God is growing you through that as we lean into him and our relationship with him. Going back to Ephesians 5, how can you make the most out of the season that you're in right now, the season that you're in today? For those of you in between schools, jobs, or opportunities, I want you to ask this question. How can I be wide-eyed and kingdom-minded? If you're anything like me, when things aren't going well, you know what I do? I start focusing on just how Brandon's feeling. And I carry my head like this. I'm disappointed. I'm feeling let down, disappointed. But instead, how can we lift our head up and look and see the things that God is doing in and around our lives, the blessings that he's provided, that even though this one thing might feel super heavy in your life, that you're looking for those things to say, look at what God is doing there. Look at how God's providing there. To be wide-eyed, looking out for opportunities to give him glory. For those of you who are single, your singleness can be a blessing to you in 2019 and to other people. For those of you in a dating relationship, what does God want to do in your life during the season and through that relationship? For those of you who are married and have kids, what does God want to do in your life to be a family that lives on mission and gives him glory together? What are those new things he's inviting you into to take a step of growth? Jesus cares about time and he cares about how we spend it. When I was 19, I went um, to Yosemite, you know, in California, this amazing park. And I went backpacking with a bunch of my guy friends. You know, it was just a total dude's trip. We were backpacking through the wilderness. We heard bears roaring. Like, it was just awesome. It was like the most exhilarating experience of my entire life. I loved it. It was so fun. We're eating like MREs and all these you know, spoiled, gross, melted granola bars and just having the time of our life, boiling our water, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, uh, 10 years after that trip, I went back to Yosemite with my wife and instead of like roughing it, backpacking, we stayed in this like nice, like wooden framed canvas tent so we could still say we were camping, but it was, it was not camping. It's like a hotel room. We also, you know, we just spent a couple days there and did some hiking and, uh, but we also went to like Napa Valley and Lake Tahoe and San Francisco. And when we were in San Francisco, like typical, you know, millennial Gen Xers, we went to see the Full House house. You know what I'm talking about? And for some of you, you just know it as Fuller House. Let me just tell you, if you watch the original, it's not much better. But um, <laughs> one of the, you know, we, we wanted to ride across the Golden Gate Bridge, right? It's this very iconic, you know, bridge. You've seen it all the time. It's beautiful. And we said, we want to bike across this thing. And, you know, but we also wanted to save some money. So I got the cheapest bike that you could rent, right? And it had like one speed. Well, when you're trying to get up to that bridge, it is very steep. And so let me just give you a freebie if you're ever in San Francisco. Get the upgraded bike. You'll thank me later. It'll save your legs. We were like so tired by the time we got up there. Anyways, as we're biking across this bridge and it's windy, 
It's just amazing how this thing is built, right? And they didn't just airlift this in overnight. It wasn't just built in a day. It was a process over time. And so much that we see in Scripture is, the tr- is true of God, that God can do something in a moment. He can fix something or heal something or change something in a moment. But God often chooses to use a process over time to grow us. You know, while we were in Yosemite, they had these beautiful sequoia trees. Have you ever seen these? They're just amazing. This 3,000-some-year-old tree that's over 200 feet tall was once just this tiny little seed. It's a reminder to us that God plays the long game. You know, after Adam and Eve sinned, he, did, he could have just saved the world in a minute. He could have just rescued them in a minute, but he didn't. He didn't send Jesus right away. He waited a few thousand years until it was the right time, the right place, the right season. He could have saved us all in a second, but instead he waited. And he didn't send an adult version of Jesus. He sent Jesus as a baby, right? Why we celebrate Christmas. He sent Jesus as a baby. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And he lived 33 years. He lived a sinless life. The only person that's ever done that. Went to the cross. Died a terrible death and rose victorious on the third day. So that you and I could be made right with God. That we could be forgiven of the wrongdoings and the sins in our lives that we all have. And have a relationship with him. And even in the process of how he sent his son Jesus, we see that God is with humanity in the waiting. He is with us in the process. He's with us on the journey. And he is still with you today in the season that you wish would just go away and would pass. As we think of a sequoia tree, you know, they grow up to be two or three hundred feet tall. They start as this little seed, and did you know that they only grow two to three feet each year? That's it. Two to three feet every year. A slow process of growth. The average base of a sequoia tree is as much as 40 feet in diameter, and there's a few that are even 100 feet in diameter. Unbelievable. But here's what's true of the sequoia tree. When it is just a seed... The ones that grow to be the biggest are the ones that experience the harshest winters. The ones that grow up to be these giant trees that exceed all of the rest are the ones that during the wintertime experience harshness and are blown around, dug deep into the ground. They are shaken until one day they become a two or three hundred foot tree. You might feel like this tiny little seed in a giant forest being blown around and it's freezing cold and things are changing and shifting and you're not sure what's coming next. But God is using that and can use that to grow you up to be the spiritual giant that just needs to be awakened for his glory. Our God is faithful and he's doing his part to grow you. In 2019, how are you going to lean into that growth? So as we look at discerning the season we're in, taking time to actually do that, then there's a second thing that we need to do is surrender the season. Surrender the season. 
This means giving this season to God, giving it over to him today. Not in five months, not in three months after you try your own way, but giving it to him today. How can you surrender this season to him? How can you surrender a season of success? How can you surrender when things are going great in your business? How can you use that as a platform to give God glory? When things are going well in your relationships and things feel like they're firing all cylinders at home and things are just great and looking up and the kids are doing awesome, how can you give God glory and surrender that and hand that over to him? In the same breath, how do you surrender the season of the unknown? Many of you maybe saw the video that we played at Christmas Eve services with Tyler Trent. Each day, as he even shared in his own words, it's kind of unknown what's going to happen. And he places his faith, he chooses to place his faith in Christ, even in a very hard time when he's very, very sick. How do we surrender the season of the unknown? How are you going to surrender the season of heartbreak, the, the, surrender the season of waiting? Ephesians 5, 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do today. What he wants you to do and surrender to him any season that you might be in. So as we discern the season, surrender the season, the third is this. Seize his promises. Seize his promises. Grab on, hold on to his promises from his word that he will be with us in all seasons. As we look back at John 15, 4, it says, remain in me, remain in relationship with me daily. Stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to Christ. Be mindful of who Christ is. Not just a one day a week Christian, but mindful each and every day where God is transforming us through his truth and his word. And so here's some practical ways that we can seize his promises. One, read scripture. How many of you have heard a sermon where a pastor has said, read your Bible, read scripture? Anybody? Yeah? All right. Let's do it, Right? We've been hearing this same sermon for decades, right? For those of us who've been in the church. And whether it's one verse or one chapter or getting a Bible app, you know, they have these free devotionals that will give you daily notifications, even if it's just one verse, okay? Read the Bible. Get God's word into your system. Maybe even listening to the Bible, you can listen to it on, on those apps as well. Make a plan that's gonna work And what I always encourage people to say, a mentor always said to mine, you may not understand everything in the Bible, but read it until you can understand something and apply it to your life. The second is this, to seize his promises, to be reminded of God's goodness, is lean into a friend. Lean into a relationship with somebody who loves Jesus, that maybe you admire that person, you're inspired by them and their testimony and their faith, and you just want to be around them. You just want some proximity And what I have found is that when you go up to that person and say, hey, would you invest in me spiritually? More often than not, they're going to be so humbled and they're going to say yes. That they're going to want to pour into your life. They'd be so humbled that you would ask them to do that. Some of us are naturally just really good at this, you know, in our friendships and relationships. If you're anything like me, sometimes I need to like set up an appointment, a meeting, structure it a little bit and say, hey, every Tuesday morning at this time or every Wednesday at this time, can we get coffee and just talk about life and encourage each other spiritually? Or maybe as you think about, do I have any relationships that are like that? You're kind of coming up empty. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, that maybe you need to lean into some new relationships. You heard us talk about Rooted. Rooted's a 10-week amazing discipleship experience. There's a, a lot of people in our church family who've been through Rooted and love it. It starts on Wednesday, January 16th, which is my birthday, um, from 6.30 to 8.30. We'll meet each week here at the Mercy Road location in Carmel. 
And I went through Rooted this past fall, and even though I had like pretty good community and some spiritual mentors in my life, I loved Rooted. I got to meet so many new people. I got my buddy Larry sitting right there that I got to meet so and get to know so well, and the people in other services that I just got to know their stories, how God was working in their life. It was so encouraging. And so whether you're new to faith in Christ, if you're not really sure where you stand spiritually, or, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, Root is a great place to connect, to get to know some people. Um, and, and it also provides like these daily devotionals if you're having trouble getting started with that. And it's a great weekly discussion. So Wednesday nights, starting January 16th, you can sign up in the lobby at Connect, uh, Connect Central, um, the Connect Center, sorry. And uh, you can sign up there and we'll get you all the information you need. We'd love for you to join us at Rooted. All right, last thing. So as we seize his promises by reading scripture, lean into friendships that are centered on Christ. I want to leave us with this idea from 1 Samuel seven twelve, and we'll end here. It says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. You know, Samuel built this memorial this reminder to the Israelites of how God had been faithful in the past. And so if they were to stray away or to get discouraged in the future, they would point back to that memorial Samuel made and say, remember how God helped us. An Ebenezer stone, which literally means a stone of help. That God is real, that he is faithful, and that he has provided in the past, and that he'll do it again. I want to encourage you as you're discerning kind of the season that you're coming out of and the season that you're going into to write out your Ebenezer story. This may just be a couple of bullet points on a piece of paper to look back on your life and see a time that looked bleak, see a time that looked challenging, a time that looked difficult, and to write down how God provided through that situation. A trial in your life that you didn't think you could overcome And it was so hard. And maybe you're going through it now. But a time where God was faithful and you saw that he was with you and that he carried you through that storm. I think it's important for us to document those times and to look back on those times so when a challenge comes in March of 2019 that you didn't see coming. Or or in June when something changes and something you didn't expect happens to a loved one. That you'll look back at that time that God was faithful in your life and it'll encourage you and fuel you into this next challenging season. So write down your Ebenezer story to remind you of God's faithfulness. So when you're in a season of waiting, when you're in a season of hardship or even of success, you can recall the faithfulness of God and how your roots are found in him and the true vine in Jesus Christ. God is always seeking to grow you a new year, a new you in 2019. How will you lean into that growth? Discern the season, surrender it to him, seize his promises, get into his word this year. Find those trusted relationships, whether it's through Rooted or somebody that you know in your life that can pour into you spiritually. Recall the times that he's been faithful in your life to provide you encouragement. Look back to his word for encouragement in this new year. Would you pray with me? God, as we come before you right now in this moment, man, we've experienced so much in these last 10 days. Lord, Christmas and the holidays can just be busy and it's so fast-paced and there's family and there's all kinds of things going on. 
But God, as we come before you in this very moment, right here today, we acknowledge, Lord, that we need to take time to discern the season you're bringing us out of, the season that you're bringing us, bringing us into. Lord, and whatever that is, that we would surrender it before you, whether it's great success in our, in our business or what feels like it's going great in our family or if it's a trial or if it feels like a stale and boring season, God, we surrender that to you. We entrust it to you. We surrender to you, Lord. And for those who are maybe here or joining us online and, and they're not sure where they stand with you, Lord, may they know that the God of the universe is for them, that he sent his son for us, that at just the right time, Lord, that you played the long game of pursuing us, that you sent your son as a baby. He grew in wisdom and stature. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross and died a terrible death as a sacrifice for our sins and he rose again and conquered sin and death forever so that if we have relationship with you, God, that we can be redeemed and renewed today and for the rest of eternity. And so God, anybody that's out there who is just thinking through where they're at, may they know that you love them. Lord, that if we confess our sins with our mouth, you are faithful to forgive us of all unrighteousness, to make us new, to give us a new start to make us a new creation as we head into 2019, Lord. For those of us who've been following you for a while, Lord, may we take these words to heart from Ephesians 5 and Psalm 90, Lord, that we would make the most of the days, Lord, that there is such a ripe mission field out there, Lord. And as I look into this church, Lord, we see your people who are ready to do your work, people who are gonna get into the word this year, people who are gonna be transformed by your love, Lord, that they're gonna follow the prompts of the Holy Spirit to make an impact in their workplaces and in their schools, Lord. Lord, that we would see something happen in an unbelievable way through our people this year, Lord, through your people. God, I just want to pray that you would give us wisdom on how to seize your promises, Lord, that we would hold on to them in the struggle, that we would hold on to them when things seem barren, we would hold on to them when winter seems so harsh, Lord. We give it to you, we trust it to you, we surrender it to you, Lord. We love you and we adore you, and it's because of you that we sing your praises, God. As we head into 2019, it's yours, Lord. It's not ours, it's yours. We want your goals. We want the growth that you've intended for us in this season. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.